Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Elemental fell out of bed. It's a Pixar film. It's Disney. And in its opening weekend, I believe the correct terminology was... Look, I I don't speak Latin. Sorry. Come again? In English, please. Uh, the, The movie did very, very poorly. Well, that's just great. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of of just great. Earned 29.5 million in its opening weekend. Now, when I make my first film, I would love to have a 29.5 million dollar opening weekend. Considering my first film is going to cost somewhere between 5 and 75 dollars. Uh, what, I'm going to have a 100 million dollar release? Stop. Let's let's be focused. But for Pixar, this is miserable stuff. Absolutely miserable stuff. What's interesting about the film, you know, which is already, as Variety reported, fell short of its already low expectations, is that the 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 movie itself was all about this big non-binary character. Now, maybe that's not what the movie is about, but that's what it became about. When one of the voice actors wanted everybody to know that this was the big thing. Big announcement, I got to play Pixar's first non-binary character. No one gives a damn. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the little thing we do here called the show. A uh, little thing growing every day because of you. Can't thank you enough. No one cares. They want to know what the story is. What's the story, man? Everything else is just nonsense. Why do you keep filling us with nonsense? What's the point of the whole thing? The movies don't make people excited when they aren't about the story. I saw Spider-Man, the, the new, new Spider-Man. I forget what it's, it's even called. It's across the Spider-Verse, into the Spider-Verse. There's a Spider-Verse. There's many, many Spider-Men and women and ladies and folk. The movie is exceptionally well done. Even though it drags a little bit in the beginning, that movie is so well done, and that ending and the setup from that ending is a work of art. It's perfect. In the beginning of the film, not doing any spoilers here, Gwen, Gwen's her name, right? The uh, One of the alternate uh, Spideys is in her room. Remember, she's a kid. She's a teenager. And in her room, there is a poster. Bloop, right there. Right there, it's on the wall. Like someone stuck it on the wall. I do sound effects just in case. That's how I'm going to save money on making my film, doing my own sound effects. That's that's the sound of something sticking to the wall. You know what the sound of someone walking is? One sound effect takes care of everything. My God, it's gold. Gold. I should get an Oscar right now. On the wall, right there, is a is a poster in her room, protect trans kids. 
Now, I wanted to yell out, from what? The people pushing them into something they may not actually believe because they're confused and they've got teachers and others saying, hey, we'll keep this private from your family that may want to speak to them and maybe they'll wait till they're 18 or maybe they'll realize it's something that they grow out of, but instead you want to push them to puberty blockers and surgery? But that seemed like a lot to yell out in a movie theater. So instead I said, huh, that's on the wall. Now that was a bit of wokeness from the Spidey folk. Unnecessary and ridiculous. One could argue that a teenager today could have that poster on their wall. They could. Put in a movie, it was purposeful. Purposeful. Didn't affect the rest of the movie. It was just not necessary. The movie itself focused on character and focused on story, which are the things you're supposed to focus on. If Pixar wants to be focused on these parts of the character that don't have anything to do with the story, well, they're going to fail. And thus, Elemental failed. But why is it there are some things that they are most desperate to share and some things they are most desperate to hide? And this brings us to the conversation regarding Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Because while I'm not voting for the man and he is not a conservative, he is a progressive who has a history of statements, including that people who deny climate change should be in jail. There should be laws to punish them. He said the words. Now, this was 2014. He could think differently now. He has stated that he thinks differently now. But still, this is a guy who's going to talk about how we shouldn't raise taxes, but he is going to discuss how we, you know, move those taxes and levy those taxes. He is a guy who believes from each according to their measure to each according to their need. I'm telling you that Robert F. Kennedy is as progressive as they come. The fact that he doesn't believe that vaccines should be shoved down your throat, notwithstanding. But Robert F. Kennedy has a right to be heard. He is a presidential candidate. He's a presidential candidate, and the Democratic Party is very obviously very scared of him. They don't want to hear what he has to say. And I thought it was amazing over there at MSNBC that they were making this kind of statement. I mean, that's another thing Matthew didn't mention, but it is part of a trajectory, right? You start with the base, maybe save money uh, until you actually get a serious challenger because you don't have one in the primary. Um, and, and just wait for the general to really ramp things up. What do you make of it, Susan? Well, you know, Joe Biden has the great luxury of not having a credible primary opponent. That's propaganda from MSNBC. Of course he has a credible primary opponent. RFK is getting 20%. The Democratic Party refuses to allow a debate. And now YouTube decides that a conversation between Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Dr. Jordan Peterson shouldn't be allowed. They've actually censored it which is weird because my conversation with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is still up on YouTube because it, I put it on Rumble and I actually sent it to the other places. We had him on the show. It's still up. Well, Tony, you're not Dr. Jordan Peterson. 
This is exactly the point. Some things get shoved down your throat and some things get hidden. And some people get shoved down your throat and some people get hidden. I ask you, in what society should anything be hidden? That a company, that an organization wants to shove some idea or some personality down your throat. Well, that, that, that happens. I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying it happens. But preventing somebody else from being heard? The Democrats don't want you to hear from RFK, so the people at MSNBC have the audacity to say he's not legitimate? I'm not voting for the guy. He'd be much tougher to beat than Joe Biden. I don't want him to be the nominee. But you're going to pretend he doesn't exist? Asa Hutchinson exists as a Republican nominee for president. I'm just saying the man can't get four votes. Now YouTube wants to pretend what? That RFK doesn't exist? But my interview with him is up. So they want to pretend that Dr. Jordan Peterson doesn't exist. Because they don't want you seeing a conversation between these two men and seeing if anything they have to say might be something you agree with because it might be against what the narrative is that's approved. And what's the approved narrative? MSNBC proves it that Joe Biden has no actual competition. Oh, and there should be no uh, question that vaccines are the greatest thing ever and you take anything the government tells you to jab into your body and if you have a question about it, you are going to get your meemaw killed and the grandkids killed. Son of a gun. That's something. It's disgusting. The level of censorship, it is despicable, this level of lie. That you might not want Biden to have competition doesn't mean that he doesn't have competition. So just accept the fact that he does. Accept it. Because he does. By the way, that doesn't make me happy. You don't want to be running a guy against RFK Jr. It's, you're, you're just begging for a problem. And honestly, I would like the easier path to victory. This is Tony Katz today. I do not understand people. I don't. I it's it's me. I know that it's me. And this is nothing to do with the fact that I don't know how to bro out. I don't know how to be a bro. I am not a bro. If I'm sitting, if I'm having a cigar, I'm having a bourbon, I'm talking, it's about something of of, of importance. I just, my, my bro skills are very, very small. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-468-8669. This, I don't think, falls into the, oh, well, see, Tony, the problem is you don't bro. This falls into the, I don't get it, and I don't know who does. There is a story in Georgia about the owner of a repair shop in Georgia called AOK Walker Auto Works. The guy's name is Miles Walker. He's the owner. And he has an employee by the name of Andreas Flatten. And he refused to give Flatten. Walker refused to give Flatten his final paycheck. I don't know why this happens. You're angry at a guy. You're upset that he quit. It's, uh, uh, he did this, you did that. In the end, 
when you're an employer, you know you're going to pay the guy. That's how it's going to work out. Very rarely do you not end up paying the guy. You pay the guy if only because you want the problem to go away. If you had to let go of the guy, fire the guy, whatever it is, because he was just a drain on the system. I don't know, maybe he did something egregious like theft. Well, that would be a criminal charge, and that would be something totally different. Labor law works differently. You're going to pay the dude. And I don't know what makes people think that they're not. I don't make makes people think that somehow I'll, I'll show him. I'm tough. You're, you're, it's, it never works out. My experience in watching these things happen is that it never works out. So this employee, Flatten, doesn't get paid, contacts the Department of Labor. The wage and hour division, which sounds so freaking Orwellian, I don't even know what to do with it, contacts the owner, Walker, about the situation. And so Walker's like, fine, I'll pay the dude. I'll pay him. Sure I will. But uh, uh, I'll tell you how I'm going to pay him. He takes his paycheck, turns it into pennies, covers them with oil, like motor oil. And dumps them on his driveway. The owner, Miles Walker, takes 91,500 pennies, covers them with oil, and dumps them on Flatten's driveway. Accompanied by a pay stub, as is reported, with an expletive. Well, of course, of course, because the 91,500 oil-covered pennies wasn't enough of an expletive. You had to let them know. There's no, there's no joke worse than the joke you have to explain. That's just, that's just miserable. He then publishes a defamatory statement about the former employee on the company website. That's, that's surreal. Now, in addition, or I should say, uh, on the side of this, he gets found, Walker, the owner, is found to have violated the Fair Labor Standards Act about overtime, and the court orders him to pay $39,934 to nine workers for back wages owed and an equal amount in liquidated damages. You don't pay people. You're going to pay. That's the way this works. But can we go back to the first part? How angry are you that you have the time the consideration to get 91,500 pennies, then cover them in oil, then transport them to the home of the person you hate and dump them on the driveway. Who's got that time? Who has that free time? I want that gig. Clearly, if I want that gig, I'm going to have to run for Congress. That's the only way you get that level of free time. Because I don't know a mechanic who has this free time. More and more people are taking their cars in to be worked on because they can't afford a new car or the new used car or anything else. This guy has the time to dump 91,500 pennies on your front lawn. Oh, oiled up pennies. At no moment during that process did you think, hey, maybe I should see a therapist. At no moment during the whole process, like when you when you were getting the pennies, wasn't that a sure sign that maybe, maybe something wasn't okay? 
when you said, excuse me, I would like to get 91,500 pennies. At no point that sounded weird to you? At no point that sounded like a problem to you? Because that's a problem. And it actually uh, folds in to the to this greater story of people who can't figure out just how to move on with their lives. They cannot figure out how to get on with their day. Everything has to be a reaction of mass, overwhelming, ridiculous proportion. And none, none of it's necessary. And people look at this story, they go, oh my gosh, isn't that so ridiculous? I See, see, that's, that's why I'm not a bro. Because I look at that story and I say there's a real problem in society. This, this is the sign of a legit problem. Tony, this could just be the sign of a crazy guy. Yes, you're right. You know what the problem is? There's lots of these crazy guys. Everybody's angry all the time. Everybody's ridiculous all the time. Now, maybe I'm, 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 I'm taking it too far because it's not everybody. It's not like I've got 82,000 stories about 82,000 uh, mechanics Mechanic shop owners, garage owners, whatever. I don't know what you'd call them, but something like that. Who all are grabbing 91,000 pennies. By the way, isn't there a shortage of pennies? Where did the guy get the pennies? So there's not this, this mass number, but there's this mass number of overreactions. This crazy number of overreactions going on. That you ask yourself, what's actually happening? I am more and more more and more of the philosophy that there is a very real anxiety issue. I've talked about people don't know how to handle themselves. They don't know how to act. They don't have to control themselves. And I'm not saying in every instance you have to not react. That's, that's not it. But I, I heard my brother, the, the good Dr. Katz, referring to it as anxiety. I thought, okay, that's a different way of saying what I'm saying, a good way to say that. I was out to dinner over the weekend with some friends who were having the same exact conversation. I had not prompted it. They prompted it. The anxiety. And anxiety leads to people making irrational decisions. All of this is crazy. You know, I'm, I'm fond of saying the world is crazy. We don't have to be. I didn't say we don't have to fight. I didn't say we don't have to push. I didn't say we didn't have to stand up. You got to do all those things. But 91,500 pennies, oiled up pennies. The only oiled up penny I'm interested in is from Big Bang Theory. That's not a bad joke. That was mostly from my father. Um, I'm, see, and I'm going to get yelled at for that. I took the joke. I'm going to get yelled at for it. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to I apologize. I don't apologize. I don't know who's going to be insulted. This is weird. And I think the only way out is through. The only way out is to make sure you're raising your kids, you're raising yourself, you're telling yourself not to be that person. And looking at these things and not just laughing it off, saying, dude, get some help. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. I came across a story. 
that really has nothing to do with some of the big stories being discussed right now in America. But it is a big story because when we talk about property rights, that's you and me. It is, it is a fundamental conversation, not only to the idea of freedom, what is actually yours, the ability to own real property, the, the ability to control your property, but to an idea of whether or not we are still a republic. And, and why is it that there are so many, whether it's individuals or organizations, that work aggressively to try and keep property rights from you. We see this, for example, with WOTUS, Waters of the United States, and how there's this real desire for the federal government to try and tell individuals with their own property that your property isn't yours because some runoff water can go to a ditch, and that ditch can go to a brook, and that brook can go to a river, and that can go to a navigable navigable body of water. See, you can't even say it very, very well. How do you fight it? And therefore, you don't have control of your water supply because it's a navigable body of water. These things happen all the time. And I came across this piece from Thomas Jipping about John Roberts, a piece actually kind of lauding John Roberts, and you don't hear that every day. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. Thomas Jipping joined us right now. He is a senior legal fellow for the Edwin Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. And and let's start with the case in question, sir, which is this Tyler versus Hennepin County. This goes back to 2022, but you're just writing about it uh, today, or, or just the other day, talking about it. Tell me about this case and what this case says for the everyday American. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a good case for showing uh, the real practical impact of uh, especially local government efforts to take our property rights away. Um, this is a case involving a 94-year-old widow uh, in Minnesota. Uh, she, uh, she owed $15,000 in property taxes. And so Hennepin County, which is the county around uh, Minneapolis, uh, they took her property, sold it for $40,000, kept the, the other $25,000. Uh, and, and the legal question, the constitutional question, is that the, you know, the, the Constitution requires that when the government takes private property for a public use, it must justly compensate the property owner. And that, that requires two things. First of all, when the government has to take it for a public use and simply, uh, you know, taking your money and not giving it back to you is not a public use. And second, I, that, you, that the property owner has to be justly compensated. If her uh, home was sold for $40,000, I don't know how the government can say that she was justly compensated when they didn't give her a dime. But isn't that more well, of a conversation of rationality? I, I would I would assume that regardless of one's politics, you would say, well, if, I, if they owed 15 and you got 40, she gets the rest would be a rational statement. Never mind if we were to disagree whether or not the property should be taken at all. How did Hennepin County account for their decision not to give back the rest of the dollars? Well, the courts have been have been taking the Fifth Amendment that says what I had quoted, and they've been 
changing the meaning of the words case after case after case so that now rather than a public use, it simply has to be a public purpose or a public benefit. And Hennepin County would say, uh, adding money to their coffers helps them enforce the tax laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but a public use is when people take your property for like a highway that people will use or a park that people will use. It's not bankrupting a widow, uh, taking her money and keeping it for themselves. Uh, and so there's all kinds of justifications, but it's because the courts have been taking the Fifth Amendment that says something clearly and twisting and turning it to mean something else. Talking to Thomas Jipping, Senior Legal Fellow, the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. When did this start happening? When did the courts start acting in a way that were not in the citizen's best interest? Because there's no way to, to, to make a statement that the citizen is well taken care of by other citizens getting abused. Well, the, the overall trend of the Supreme Court, especially uh, taking the Constitution and uh, turning it into something else, that overall trend began probably back in the 1930s, and it, and it pops up in a lot of different contexts. In this specific area, probably in the last 30 or 40 years, uh, the, the reason, one of the reasons that I wrote the piece you referred to, and of course, Chief Justice Roberts does get, uh, takes his lumps for some decisions that he's uh, responsible for. But just before he was appointed in 2005, uh, the Supreme Court had uh, a, a property rights decision, which was really in the opposite direction, where a local government had taken someone's home uh, and given it to a developer for his own private development. And uh, that was right before Roberts was appointed. Uh, the local government there said, you know, look, you know, economic development potentially helps everybody. Uh, and so if he's going to do it for his own private gain, that actually helps, you know, all of us in some way, shape or form. Uh, radically different uh, decision than the one we're talking about now. And uh, thankfully, the decision uh, helping Geraldine Tyler, the widow in Minnesota, was unanimous. And Chief Justice Roberts wrote the opinion, giving much more uh, recognition and protection for property rights than the court had done before. The property rights conversation is a conversation about the, the, the genesis, about the very ideas of freedom and liberty, that the, those being different things, but the idea that, you know, so some people say, you, if you cannot own things, you cannot be free. I have often argued that if you cannot say no, you cannot be free. But the, the, the property conversation is if I own something and someone else is able to take it from me without compensation or without me being able to engage a justice system to to get uh, uh, to get justice served, I'm not actually free. I'm a slave at, at that moment, or I'm certainly not a citizen. It is much more the concept uh, of a subject, and we're talking about the rule of man and not the, the, the rule of law. Um, this property rights conversation is one that we see more and more in the political sphere, where you have people who don't believe in the property rights conversation at all. They believe that somehow what you have gotten is ill-gotten. We see that uh, a, a lot. Is the Roberts Court 
now with with a couple decisions, because you also point out Cedar Point Nursery versus Hasid uh, as as another example uh, re- regarding uh, private property being taken without compensation and compensation being uh, demanded. Is this starting to trickle down into other courts, into other places, and saying, okay, we're not going to be able to get anywhere on this. This is clearly the court saying you cannot bastardize the Constitution in this way. Well, I I certainly hope so. I think there's a majority on the Supreme Court today, probably the the most solid majority in uh, decades for taking the Constitution seriously as it is, the Constitution as written. Uh, And I would think that since uh, all of our public officials, including those public officials in Hennepin County, Minnesota, they took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. And yet they were treating the Constitution as if it didn't mean much. So I think a majority on the Supreme Court is taking the Constitution more seriously across the board than it has in the past. And, you know, things have gotten so egregious in the property rights area. Like I said, the decision here was unanimous. And so if you can get you know, Katanji Brown Jackson and Sonia Sotomayor to agree with Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. Right. Uh, you know, they. I think chances are they're probably right. So uh, I do hope that the signal is sent that it's the Constitution, not the politics of judges, that really matter, and that whether you like the outcome or not, government following the law is most important. How does this relate? if at all, to the concept of civil asset forfeiture, where we hear about police departments that will pl- they'll pull someone over to speeding, and a, an officer asks, do you have any cash on you? As a matter of fact, I've got $10,000 on me. I'm going to buy a car. And someone will decide that was probably going to be drug money, and they, they, they take it. They seize the dollars, and you're now fighting to get your dollars back, and it's so expensive to get your dollars back that you give it up, and then that reverts to the, to the police department or some other level of the municipality. Is this conversation about property rights and what we're seeing from the Roberts Court, does this have a play in that world? I, th- I think it absolutely does. And in fact, in that context, uh, the, the, the system is rigged so that you have to prove you're innocent in order to get your own property back rather than the government having to prove you guilty. And and the situation you described is very similar to uh, Geraldine Tyler's case because it was the local government trying to raise, they don't want to raise taxes, so they'll look to other means to get money into their local coffers, and unfortunately, with some of these schemes, it ends up violating people's constitutional rights. His name is Thomas Jipping, J-I-P-P-I-N-G. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Jipping. And you find his work at Heritage.org, Senior Legal Fellow, Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation, Heritage.org. Thomas, can't thank you enough. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Uh, Thank you, Senator McCaskill, for your question. So nothing in this AI commission bill precludes Congress from acting in discrete areas of AI regulation. I also note that there's AI that can counter bad AI. So, for example, you have some companies working on AI that can authenticate original videos and original images. So that could be something that campaigns can use. Uh, In addition, I do support legislation that requires disclosure on ads and social media and so on. So next time, for example, if you see 
a pro-Trump ad, it might just say at the bottom, paid for by the Kremlin. And so that's a kind of disclosure mm. that we would like to see. Okay. Yeah, that would be good. Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu of California, thank you very much for coming on the show this morning. If you ever wanted to know what Trump derangement syndrome sounds like, it's Congressman Ted Lieu. This is out of control. Mika Brzezinski doesn't know how to say to him, that's nuts. <sighs> this used to be an intellectual show. Not, not us. We're still an intellectual show. I'm talking about Morning Joe. This is insane. Congressman Ted Lieu still wants to push the idea that Trump is controlled by the Russians. We've got the Mueller report. We've got the Durham report. No collusion. And the whole thing with Trump and Russia was made up in a fever dream by Hillary Clinton and her campaign staff. And President Obama knew it. And then Vice President Biden knew it. And Loretta Lynch, the attorney general, knew it. My God, she knew it when she met on the tarmac on the plane with Bill Clinton. James Comey knew it. What the hell is this? What is this? Do you know how irrational and how abnormal this all is? It's irrational and abnormal. This is madness from crazy people. And they're in charge. And there are people who be like, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Yeah, you get him, Ted Lieu. And they're just going to blindly give to his campaign. Again and again and again and again. Look, there are many, many, many reasons to have issue with Trump. And there are many, many people who do. I do. I got more issues with Biden. By the way, I've got people who hate me. Hate me because I'm not 24-7 Trump. And they, they, they despise me. I'm, I'm a squish. Can we just, for the record, guys, go ahead. I'm going to honestly assess the situation, and I'm going to give it to you as I see it. You can agree or disagree with it. That's part of our charm. That is part of our charm, is that we're able to do this. We're able to do what the other people cannot do. But you think I'm going to somehow just sit idly by with the derangement syndrome? If you're okay with what Ted Lou said, you're a ridiculous man-child. Well, what if you're a woman? You heard what I said. Ridiculous man-child. Am I to believe that everything that Trump says is right? Of course not. But I'm also not going to believe that um, everything Joe Biden says is normal. I mean, holy hell. Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. Oh, he's saying. He's saying, and this, this is a beaut. And maybe most important, I've committed that by 2020, we will have conserved 30% of all the lands and waters the United States has jurisdiction over and simultaneously reduce emissions to blunt climate impact. That's 30% conserved by 2020. 
Hey, AJ. AJ's uh, running things in the shop today. Can I can I ask you to do me a favor, AJ, if you would? Yeah, what's up? If, if you would head over to your local search engine, could you type in what year is it? Yeah. Just uh, just real quick. Oh. Just 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 head over to any search engine uh, it is you want. 2023. Is that what it says? Yeah. It says 2023. Hold on a second. Let me let me go back over this. And maybe most important, I've committed that by 2020, we will have conserved 30% of all the land by by and when? By 2020. And by 2020. And by 2020. And by 2020. And by 2020. Just making sure. You can argue Trump this and Trump that and Trump all you want. If my choice is Trump and this, this guy, could we, could we not pretend that this is okay? I said this the other day. He's not okay. And it's not just a gaffe. It's every day something absolutely horrific. It is every day something criminally insane. Every single day. How can you possibly think this is normal? Sorry. I, uh, I, I have no plans of being a part of that. And Ted Lieu and the progressive left, what are they still pushing? Russia, Russia, Russia? I mean... They haven't figured out they lost that fight? Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't care that they lost that fight. That's the point. The hate is just too strong. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.